you going, folks? Welcome to, I think this is episode number five of Behind the Sport. Uh, Brent has joined us again and having, is that another rum and coke of some sort? <laughs> I busted. Yeah, <laughs> always. Um, yeah, so i uh, done a little bit of tuning of the studio over here. So uh, my chair snapped yesterday in spectacular fashion. Um, I actually ended up uh, on the floor looking up at the screen, but um, you know, that chair lasts me five years. But So I've got a brand new one, a DX Racer King chair, which I believe you got a similar one. And um, yeah, it's a bit of a tidy up. So um, pretty much we're going to jump straight into this week's guest. Um, he is a gentleman, um, and I use that term very loosely, uh, who has covered uh, drifting locally and nationally, time attack, drag racing, speedway, motorcycle, road racing, motocross, supermoto, supermoto karting, burnouts, off-road enduro racing, and other automotive events such as Motivation, Motor X, WA Street Machine, and the Hot Rod Spectacular. And he's done this all by the age of 30. And, uh, of course, Is I refer... 30? Yeah, he's only 30. Or do you wow. mean you think he should be younger? <laughs> oh, no, I just... Yeah, no, it blows you away. He's done a hell of a lot, man. Yeah, so um, he is uh, Jared McLean, a.k.a. J-Mac. And uh, he is joining us right about now. Right, joining us is J-Mac. Thanks for jumping on tonight, mate. How you doing? Mate, um, I think as good as uh, we all sort of are at the moment, things are a bit weird, a little bit wacky, but we're making the best of it. Yep. Look, um, you, your photo the other week of your little setup over in your studio there made me tidy up my setup here a bit as well. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, I kind of, kind of the guest outshining the host, but you've still done it, mate. Like, I'm going to ask straight away, like, what is the stuff? What have you got on the back shelf there? Uh, okay, so this one here, we start with my new helmet. Um, that's a um, Nolan uh, X803 carbon fibre. That's the helmet that I'm going to be using for the upcoming 2020-2021 uh, season of drag racing. Uh, I'm actually campaigning a CBR929 and I'm going to be going drag racing after all these years. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good work, man. Gotten into it and I've been commentating for the last sort of 10 years. So now it's time to actually do it. Um, booze. That's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> um, probably a little bit dark, but some cameras. We have, um, <laughs> there's a, a bloke who races a in, cat. there's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind. It's, it's, like, it's like Animal Farm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do we got there? We got a Bell um, helmet that one of our super sedan racers used a couple of seasons ago. Uh, took him to a championship. Um, we have Conrods from an Outlaw Nitro Funny Car, so the full billet aluminium um, camshaft from LS1. Everyone's got one of those lying around somewhere. Um, boots that I'll be using this season for the drag bike and new rear sets fresh from Japan that only took six weeks to show up so there for the bike as well look six weeks is pretty good considering it takes about 10 years to get something from sydney you know especially when australia post is involved so oh. i think you're doing pretty well with we're doing all right Japan, yeah. you know? you'll notice there is still actually some space um free so there's some stuff that's in the works so hopefully we'll fill that out as well now because you're not a single man so it can't be a couch of any sort so it's got to be uh Something they actually believe it on believe it or not behind that wall behind me there's actually another two meters of space which is actually where I've got my sim rig set up and a couch. 
Nice. Yeah, right <laughs> the um now just quickly you you're jumping in to do a bit of drag racing um are you going to actually strap a microphone into the helmet as well and do some commentary on the bike as you go down the track or they uh not keen to let you do that look what they don't know won't hurt them um <laughs> <laughs> it's just a case of obviously the video is going to show up but there's as far as i'm aware there's the only limitations for my bracket which will be um modified bike you're not allowed to have any kind of radio communication back to uh, the start line um, so as long as i'm not getting any two-way radio there's nothing wrong with me hooking up a microphone um, the only thing is i'm already not exactly a jockey uh, on the machine so adding an extra extra weight like a tascam recorder or something like that probably going to put me at even more of a deficit now, um, mm. I'm, I'm cheating That's a little cool, bit because obviously we did a bit of a profile on Drive Tribe with you a while ago. So um, you, you're brought up on a diet of V8 supercars, regional burnout comps and the occasional, occasional trips to the city to check out big drag racing meets. And uh, your dad campaigned a Buick V6 swapped Navara Trayback at Narrage and Revheads and such. Yep. And um, you wanted to be... Jumping forward from that, you wanted to be a print journalist for magazines and websites following F1 and MotoGP, mm. but um, you decided to get into commentating. So how did the jump to commentating come from, you know, I guess watching to you know, your father being involved in motorsport and your misguided and rather short university career, which is your words, not mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you make that jump from you know, doing all that into commentating? So I was into my second year at my misguided uh, and brief university career. And one of the projects that we had to do for our bachelor's of communications, I think it was, um, was we had to go and, and follow a sport and, and do a, uh, not an expose, but a piece, a print piece on a sport. And I chose drag racing because it was really accessible. And I spoke to some of the sort of key stakeholders. I spoke to the drag racing general manager, uh, at the time, which was Peter Pike. Um, we've now had about four or five, four, I think four general managers since him. Uh, I also spoke to Brett Stewart from Formula Tech Performance. They are still knocking around, going from strength to strength, um, tuning a lot of your, your Holden and now they've branched out into the Tickford stuff as well. Um, I wanted his take as sort of a, an eminent tuning house at the time. Uh, I also spoke to uh, the president of the Westside Drag Racing Association. Unfortunately, he's left us now. Um, and uh, I'd sort of spoke to all of those and, and eventually when the piece was written, I, I sent that back to the motorbike, sent that back to all of them. Um, and out of that, Peter Pike from the drag strip actually got in touch with me and said, hey, would you actually like a, a job? Um, and I say job very loosely. Would you like a job writing for our website? And being 19 years old, I thought, sweet, this is my first byline. This is my first opportunity to actually get my name onto some articles and and um, actually start doing some of the stuff that I want to be doing. Did that for a while and then there sort of was a little bit of a, a vacuum as some of the commentators graduated and left or, or left for their own particular reasons. And um, I, funny enough, I ran into Matt Nolte at Mint Nightclub one night. We were both oh, seven sheets to the wind, <laughs> absolutely hammered had no place making the kinds of deals that we were doing that night. He said, come along and, um, and have a crack and at Whoop Ass Wednesdays and Fast Fridays as they were back then. And um, had a shot at that and loved it and did all right at it. And then as these commentators left and graduated and moved on, I sort of moved on up to 
the point where I was for the last couple of seasons. See you, Manny. Bye. <laughs> the cat's just exited stage left. Um, yeah, I, I ended up running the, the commentary uh, team at that stage. So we're talking probably about six other commentators and trying to work with the production crew at the Motorplex, trying to put together some high-quality um, sort of show aspects to, to what we do at the Perth Motorplex. Now, you described the office of the Motorplex as your, um, you know, it has a special place in your heart, you know, given, you know, you essentially grew up there. Um, but tell me about opening the High Tech Drift Australia live stream at the Thunderdome at Calder Park. How was that? How did that come about? So, I had been approached to the, the guys who do the live streaming for high tech drift Australia uh, is actually a, it's a production house called AVE and they've had their fingers in a lot of pies. Um, recently they were doing some E-series stuff. Um, I believe with V8 supercars before all this started going to the super high levels that they're at now. Um, but I've worked with Matt Swab from AVE prior and obviously I, I guess I left enough of an impression on him when I'd worked with him for drag racing that he wanted to, used me for, for drifting as well as, as a, essentially a show anchor um, to sort of come back to and, and throw to replays and, and essentially manage the stream, host the stream per se. But Calder Park um, was my second time ever being there. And that place is just, not only is it iconic, but it's also a bit of a tragedy at the same time. Have you guys been to mm. Calder Park not in the last 10 years? Time. No. Oh, like, it's crazy. Brent, what was your what was your sort of uh, feeling when you went to that place? It depends which way you come into it. Like if you come um, from that right hand side, it's like going into a small, I don't know, small track anywhere. You know, not not a prototype track. But when you see the when you look to that um, that end where all the bleachers are and all the weeds are coming up and there's yeah. the smash windows on the tower, it's like some weird wild west makes post-apocalyptic dream killer like yeah. it is it's it's a bizarre place and it's so it sucks so much because it like it was it should have been awesome it still is awesome um you know urban sprawl is ultimately going to kill it unfortunately but man it should be a wicked spot absolutely and that was pretty much verbatim how i felt about being at that place now we um we made it our own for, for those pretty magic sort of two days, um, the Saturday, Sunday. And um, we just put on a, an awesome show. We had some incredible uh, action there. I mean, cars coming off that bank down into the infield. It was such an aggressive sort of moment there. Um, and it actually caught quite a few people unstuck. But seriously, just to see two cars side by side transitioning down that bank, coming down that bank, down in towards the crowd was just something awesome. And, and to know that we were sort of, for me personally, I mean, there's a lot of people that have gone before me, but for me personally, just sort of be putting my own little bit on that little bit of history and that's going to be there forever. And that, that was really cool. It was so cool. And, and drifting is going to always have a place in my heart, largely to do with that. Yep. Yeah, wicked. The, um, of course, another big event last year was the uh, World Time Attack in Sydney. And, um, you know, 
I'm not sure if I want to bring up that thonging attempt again. I think we've probably um, given you a lot of shit about that since then. But, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, sim similar to me, you know, I'm learning to make sure I try and do a bit of homework on everyone before chatting with them. So <laughs> I, I feel your pain on that that one. But um, yeah, you gave a pretty in-depth and thorough account of, you know, your day, um, you know, day in your life, um, you know, at the time attack. and you know, obviously like we'll link that in, we'll link that article for everyone to read um, afterwards. Um, but the, from your point of view, you know, stepping from WA based motorsport, the smallness in terms of, you know, like the Woolpass Wednesdays and all that, stepping out into like this big field of cars and just a completely different, you know, production quality and all that sort of thing. What, what was going through your head, like just completely shitting yourself or yeah. pretty, pretty much. Um, there was, there was that element at the very beginning. And then once I sort of finally found my feet, you sort of start to be able to appreciate it and take it in more. Um, and you start to see some of the nuances and some of the, the, the things that are fundamentally different when you start going up in orders of magnitude from anything that we do over here. Like, um, I had been to one of our infinite time attack events. I think it was run by KYP. Um, and they have um, been going from strength to strength and getting more entrance and doing some incredible stuff. So that was essentially my very first introduction to time attack. I hadn't followed um, super lap battle or anything over in the States uh, at uh, circuit of the Americas or anything like that. Literally, Infinite Time Attack, brought to you by KYP, was my very first introduction to Time Attack. And then to go over to basically the Ian Baker Circus, and it was a frigging circus, um, was just incredible. You start to see, uh, just to sort of compare and contrast, right? Um, we, we see privateer guys over in, in Perth who are essentially a one-man owner, driver, mechanic, tuner, the whole lot, right? In one, one set of shoes over there, they've got multiple people for the one role They'll And, and they'll have an aerodynamicist. They'll have like him and he'll be there. He's not just going to be the guy who works on the car when it's getting built. And then that's it. See you later. He'll be there at the track. And there were about sort of eight or nine, like these are the Nobel peace prize winning versions of, of aerodynamicists out there. And they were all there had their own workstation. We were talking full V8 supercar spec pit walls for a few of the really big um, pro teams, uh, international drivers coming out our frigging ears. Uh, it was just insane. Um, mm. And it does go to show that obviously with a bit of money, the sky is the limit. And um, at the moment, it's, uh, it's only a number as far as a, a lap record there. And it depends how much money you want to throw at it. And I guess that's the difference, you know, between, you know, an infinite time attack event and a circuit racing. You know, circuit racing's obviously got a lot more restrictions to stop that happening. But, um, yeah, they, they, I mean, I remember watching that stream and, you know, it was just crazy some of those laps that guys were doing. And, you know, I mean, I got excited over, um, who was it, did the 59 second? Was that um, at Barb's? Um, oh, there's a, we've had a few, oh, there's sorry, a lot of cars below 60. 
uh, the last infinite time attack. So this oh, is with a- Andy doing it. Andy, that's right. I forgot his yeah. name. That's so bad. Sorry, Andy. Was that <laughs> was that the lap where he basically drifted turn seven to finish oh, yeah. the lap? <laughs> ludicrous. Yeah. That was insane. I, yeah. I, I remember talking to Richard Lazar about that. Shout outs to Richard. He'll actually be over here tonight once we finish this. Um, Good lad. Yeah. <laughs> um, he he um, was just talking about that lap and he, you should have just seen the smile on his face. I know it means a lot to Andy um, to actually go out and do stuff like that. It's very cool because, I mean, there's nothing like knowing the guy who tunes the cars actually goes out and does that thing, goes yeah. out and, and sort of hits those heights and is top of his game. There's That's the kind of credibility that money can't buy. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Um, and that's, I think, you know, Andy's just... Yeah, Andy's we're, really talk, we're talking about Andy from Hyperdrive for those of you yeah, out there that, that aren't aware. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been one of my personal sponsors for a long time, and um, I just talked to him this afternoon. Hopefully, tell ask Richard if he's going to pick up this JCX one ten tomorrow for me. Um, oh yeah, how'd you go with that? Is that all good? Yeah, all getting there. Uh, Andy's Andy's doing everything because he's just just a genuine dude. He's really understated, and like I hate watching his in car because he makes it look so damn easy. Like, and and his car isn't. Like technically, compared to you know some of the real war weaponry out there, his car isn't way over the top. You know he doesn't have. I've got bigger brakes on my 32. You know he doesn't have massive stoppers on it. He doesn't have. Uh, he's got really good suspension dialed in, but he's just honed everything he's got to the best he's got, and and just beats it. You know, like he's so good, and 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 it's frustrating trying to catch him. It really is. So because every time you think you're close, he just goes that another. He goes, oh, I'll just pull another half a second out. <laughs> So, and I think that's why he's been enjoying the time attack stuff because it's a different style of challenge, you know? So you're not constrained by the rules that we run under in our category. Um, and then so you can think about things differently and do things differently. And then you, you're not running a hot car. So you've got one lap pretty much to, to really turn it up. And um, if you get caught up in a bit of traffic, you hose it. Um, you don't have three laps to really get the, the tires dialed in and get you your muscle memory and, and get that flow. You've really got to be, be there. And that format they had with the hot pitting was, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I've always bagged out time attack guys. Cause I've been, I, I, I like the door to door stuff. Um, but that the way they've been doing it and the way they've borrowed the rule set from, from stinky or from um, um, world time attack from Ian, it's, it's working well. And it's yeah. Just got to get that momentum. And once we get over this COVID stuff, I think it will take off again. Can we just take a moment to, like I was saying earlier, appreciate the Ian Baker circus. We had oh. um, Matty Hall, the the World Red Bull Air Race World Champion, using Sydney Motorsport Park's front straight as a runway. We had the guys from Honda with the Lego Masters Honda Civic Type R. Uh, we had the Brabham BT68 cutting insane laps. That the thing garden. is a work of art, Brent. You ever get the chance yeah. to go and see it, you will drool all over it. Make sure they've got that ceramic coat paint protection on it because you will just destroy that clear coat with your drool, man. It's insane. <laughs> um, they had Keiichi Suchia, Tarzan Yamada. Um, they had a whole host of Japanese drivers out there and not only like um, DK, but like just some really awesome, awesome stuff like Bando um, son running in a Sora. Yeah, All right. Um, a lot of people would think, oh, it's so heavy and whatnot. But once you lighten that thing, and and it's actually one of the most aerodynamic body shapes out there. He had so heaps of issues um, 
of course, some of the downsides to the, the recent World Time Attack was um, under Suzuki, this massive pre-event oh. crash. Um, that thing was going to be an absolute rocket ship. Apparently, he was, or well, I know he was trying to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was trying to um, actually get that car um, back up and running to the point where he could at least turn laps. Um, mm. He hadn't done any pre-event development in that. And unfortunately, it just looks like there was just too much load on one of those um, tires and it just let go and pushed him into a wall. But that thing was just absolutely insane. It's oh. so far out of the envelope, it's, it's not funny. Yeah, and, um, and it goes to like the, like the Ian Circus, there's so much more. There's, you've got the, the drifting, the Hyundai, like having um, Hyundai with the, the van and the, the drift actual, bus. You know, the drift bus, actual like full flagship brands backing it but then the the yokohama stuff so they're pushing the limits of a radial but every year they have like half a dozen international meetings just about tires for that event and to traditional motorsport guys and you see it in the comments it pisses me off because some of them are mates the traditional mm. motorsport guys that just don't get it and, and i used to be in that boat and i'm like this is doing as much for the sport as the touring car round. the crowds are as big as a touring car round there um and to see the track run from uh, what time do I turn it like six o'clock in the morning till midnight, 11 o'clock at night between the drifting finishes, 10 o'clock. Yeah. I think the noise yep. thing, but the time you get all the presentations and people out of there and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's just mental. Mm. It is, it is a cool, cool sport. Now at an event like that, yeah. You know, how do you stop yourself getting caught up in the, you know, the fanboy experience, you know, like, you know, I went to Bathurst last year and, you know, it was my first time there and, you know, I got, I got, to get into a car and got driven around the track and a few other things. And, you know, I'm behind the camera most of the time, so it doesn't really affect me. Um, but yourself, you know, going to these events, you know, Time Attack and High Tech Drift, how, how do you stop yourself from going, oh, my God, you know, and wigging out and you know, especially being on camera as well? So the good thing with me, especially let's, let's talk about high, uh, high Tech Drift Australia. I'm arriving there a day early so that I can catch the practice sessions for all the guys and go and, um, and reacquaint myself. Maybe someone's changed setup. Someone's doing something particularly different. I'd have an engine combo might be throwing a new, um, wing and, and body kit at the thing just to change up how it looks. Um, you use that day to go and get your fanboy out of the system. <laughs> um, go and get your photos of Bo Yates, go and fucking and sign, posters for your mates so you can bring them back on the plane and you carry on luggage with you do that kind of shit before you have crunch time make sure you're settled make sure you're comfortable um as far as what it was like at world time attack um i was fanboying hard all the time it was basically mm. fanboy 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 you're on in five seconds five four three two one away we go it's, it doesn't it doesn't change. You can't get it out of your system. All you can do is just try and string it together for what might only be 30 seconds at a time. Yeah. Now, you're, um, you're probably recognised as one of the uh, top commentators in Western Australia at the moment, which is fantastic. And it's, um, you know, I mean, you may not agree. I don't really give a shit. I'm just going to tell you that's what my thoughts are and that's what a lot of other thoughts are. I think your cat's disgusted with me for saying that because off he goes as well. Yeah, every time you start talking, he just <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, look, the, obviously, you know, apart in the younger generation, there's not really many up-and-coming commentators as such. And to get more people involved with the commentating side, how would you try and get them involved? 
It's a hard one. Um, I've found personally that there are people who have raw talent and there are people who have um, the naked ambition to improve themselves. And you, you can have, you, you've got to have both. You've got to have at least a touch of raw talent and sort of add to that with, with your ambition to improve constantly. There's, in my eyes, the motorplex has always been an incredible place to nurture talent. Um, if you show them, if you show me, if you show the team that you want to improve and you want to give this a go and you want to see how far you'll go um, and how far you can push yourself, there's a place for you. Um, we've, we've had people in the past who have given it a crack and either not liked it. So they've faded off into the distance. We've, we've had people who just have an incredible drive to succeed. And unfortunately, just for whatever reason, maybe they didn't necessarily have that tiny, tiny dash. It doesn't take much because as long as you've got an enthusiasm, you can usually mask any lack of talent you've got. As long as your facts are right and you can, you can improve. The big thing that I find in, my mind is, is that, um, or what I would love to see is, is people who push themselves to improve event after event after event. Yep. Um, the motorplex, I think for people who are wanting to get into commentary is a good place because it's actually an all purpose venue. I mean, we do off street drag racing nights, we do speedway, there's autocross there. So you can at least go and we don't do anything in terms of production with that and commentary, whatnot, but we see it there. Um, we've got one of the biggest screens in the Southern hemisphere. We've got a fully fledged production team with, um, all of the, all of the gear and a very, very good idea on how to actually use it. We can do TV spec broadcasts at national level or even smaller. If we wanted to produce the heck out of an off street drag racing night, we absolutely could. So it's a good opportunity to cut your teeth and learn some of that behind the scenes, some of that um, craft that I don't know that there's too many other venues here in WA that'll actually let you do that. Yeah. So it, it worked because it was a, a beautiful moment in time where everything just came up, um, came up dollar signs and came up perfect, not dollar signs. It's a terrible way to say, it. I don't know why I said that, but came up roses <laughs> no, just when I through. was coming through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really did. I hit the jackpot, um, in terms of opportunity and, and being able to make that work. The motorplex was a great nursery for talent and it's put out some incredible people. It's, it's, you've got greats like Con Migro, Mr. Yep. Speedway is there mm. at the Perth motorplex. He's, he's there at the Perth motorplex and in all honesty, the Perth motorplex is where he will end his career. Yeah. You've got Matt Nolte. He's now off. He's gone to America. He did something stupid like, I think it was 13 trips to the United States last year um, to go and commentate stadium super trucks. We've got Chad Nalon. You may not necessarily know Chad Nalon, but you can guarantee that if you've watched an episode of or a, um, a, a race event for the V8 supercars, you've seen him. Right? He's their, he's their anchor. He's their go-to guy. He, he hosts absolutely everything. Um, he's now doing the E-Series hosting as well. You see him on the couch. Um, Dean Neal, he came through the motorplex as well. He's now one of the lead, if not the lead production mind for V8 Supercars Media. 
all of these guys have come through the Perth Motorplex. The credentials there just can't be faked. That place, I, it, was a, it was a hotbed for talent. It, there was a real purple patch there about uh, maybe eight years ago where everyone was just coming through there and just hitting their straps. Yep. Now, something um, which I would love to see and you know, is more women actually get involved with commentating um, without just being there for... I guess the candy factor or the you know, just, just being there, you know, because they're female, um, you know, and that's, I mean, how would you try and encourage uh, women to get involved with commentating? You know, especially, you know, it is a male dominated industry, motorsport all over is male dominated. You know, there's no, there's no way around that. Um, you know, but in terms of, you know, if they want to be involved in motorsport and they can talk and, you know, they're passionate, how would you encourage them to try and make that step into commentating? Are you ready for an unpopular opinion? Yep. I wouldn't treat them any different. I wouldn't hold the door open for them. I wouldn't make it any easier for them. I wouldn't give them any better uh, conditions or any more airtime. But in the same breath, I wouldn't give them any less than any of my male co-commentators. I've worked with incredible women. Um, the one that really springs to mind at the moment, Amy Upson. I worked with her over at World Time Attack um, and mm. was just taken by how incredibly professional, um, but at the same time, you could tell she was starting out. She had this incredible, has an incredible confidence about her and I really can't wait to work with her again because when we opened World Time Attack uh, 2019 over in Sydney, you tell there was a, a great on-screen chemistry that we were able to sort of put out to the viewers. They were like, hey, she knows what she's talking about. She deserves to be here. She should be here. So when it comes to encouraging women to enter this field and, and whatnot, I'll definitely acknowledge that they have a much tougher time ahead of them than just about any bloke who's getting into commentary but at the same time no I, I i think that they've they've got to want it and they've got to push themselves for it and as much as it's not necessarily right or necessarily fair that they're going to have this deficit against them um, i know that they put their mind to it they do everything they can that they can they can achieve absolutely everything if not more that we're already doing yep yeah look and i i I uh, remember watching that stream and, you know, I was amazing. I thought you two were best buddies from years gone um, with how you guys were chatting, you know, and I was just like, oh, you know, this is cool, you know, and it was good to see a non-cringeworthy, non-cringeworthy chemistry and nothing. She wasn't wearing a up. short skirt and she yeah. wasn't like, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. She drilled down into some of the most technical aspects of some of those cars and drivers and just she was a great all-rounder and i like i say i can't wait to to work with her again i'm really looking forward to it and hopefully um we're able to sort of have her back for time attack 2021 One. it'll be now yeah <laughs> so um look we uh actually we're doing really well for time this is um you know you're, you're giving a lot of uh information which is fantastic um the what are you? What were your plans this year? That obviously now nothing's pretty much happening, and you know, 
as much as everyone's like, yeah, let's go racing again, you know? Yep. Going to get the calendar out. <laughs> yeah. You guys are going to be stunned by this. So my calendar at one point was booked. Let's go. It's going to be difficult. All right. This is January. Okay. Now, January, you'll notice if we look down this side, if it'll focus, come on. I just need to reduce your brightness on your screen a bit. Let's do that. Yep. See that? All right. So, January, my weekend's run down. Nah, it's going to blow it out. <laughs> January, I had one, two, three... There were five weekends in January. I had four events. Yep. February, one, two, three, four. Four weekends in February. I had eight events. So that's, yeah, I had weekends totally booked. March weekends were totally booked. April weekends were totally booked. May, I had one day off on a weekend. June... I was going to be in Geraldton. I was going to be out at Brookton. I was going to be over East Coast for the Moto Stars Supermoto Nationals. Um, and pretty much that continued right through to October. Yep. So um, my weekend was my weekends, which, and I work a, a five day a week, sometimes six day a week job with night shift thrown in, all that kind of stuff, as well as what I do. I wish I could say that commentary was my bread and butter. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, so if anyone out there is wanting a host, let me know. But um, funny, you should, would... funny you should mention that, actually. I'm just going to jump in over the top, and I don't usually like doing this. But uh, So I was approached um, last weekend or the weekend before um, with a phone call saying, hey, I want to do an E-series in WA. And I was like, yep, fantastic. And I've got this person, this person, this person, and I'm going to get them on board to do commentary. And I was like, no, like if we want, if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. Let's, you know, let's speak to J Mac. Um, let's speak, you know, to Vaughn Brewer as well. You know, let's see who's interested in doing this. Um, and I think the first stop ended up being yourself uh, from Stephen. So you're now going to be able to add esports to your resume, um, you know, at some level. Um, are you looking forward to seeing what we do with this little racing series in WA? Now I feel is a perfect time for someone like myself to be getting into this, not just because esports has taken off in such an incredible way and that I'm wanting to get on the gravy train per se, but it's another string to the bow. And I've always prided myself on having more than one weapon in the arsenal. So, mm. I mean, I love the fact that I, I can go and I can commentate, commentate motocross, I can commentate supermoto, drag racing, um, burnouts, car shows, that kind of stuff, drifting. Um, and esports is the next sort of logical progression, um, especially given what we're dealing with at the moment with COVID-19. It's exploded. I mean, Brent, you've shelled out on, um, on a pretty awesome sim, which have you got that yet? No, it's still this week. So frames this week, pedals only just left the UK yesterday um steering wheels on its way uh, but yeah i spent a lot of money mm. on on a proper setup because and like anyone that's into you know um there's a guy in the states who's he's an economist 
Uh, he's an entrepreneur. What are you buzzwords you want to put on it? But he's been saying for years, or like last two years, and uh, he's more around basketball and American football and stuff like that. But he's been, and he's had a few NASCAR guys on his on his podcast as well. But uh, Gary V, he's been saying for the last two years that esports will take over their weaker siblings. So he's been saying that some of those esports in the states, when people are already paying to watch Twitch streams and that sort of stuff, esports will take over. And and what we're seeing now is the fact that people are realizing that even with a really humble setup at home, you can get them to feel pretty realistic. And then once you've got a headset on and you've got some sort of decent screens around you, you get that involved that like I do half an hour with, on one of Johnson's, I'm a sweaty retarded mess. And, and you feel half the same feelings that when you, when you're actually going door to door with another guy, cause you just want to beat that guy next to you. You want to do it as cleanly as possible because there is real damage. So you have the same emotions going on. And then you start piling the bigger gear with hydraulic feedback on the pedals and, you know, steering wheels with more force than my piddly little car could throw at you. It, it gets pretty, pretty hectic. And, and you have that same set of emotions. So I can see why it gets so popular because like the cheapest entry level door to door racing in WA. So I say I use door to door compared to coming and do time attack and, and speed events and that sort of stuff. You can get into that relatively cheaply in a road car, but as soon as you wanted to have a roll cage and you need a national license, so XL cup cars, you're still going to be up for close to eight grand to even get on the track. You can have for around five grand, you can have some of the best of the best when it comes to a simulator. You can have the same gear as what you've seen the guys from the touring cars using. And then, you know, the boat, you can still spend a lot more, but you're not spending. And then, and then Brent, you can actually be the dictionary definition of all the gear and no idea. Yeah, which is which is all what I'll be. Um, well, I mean, okay, so so you represent one end of the scale as someone who's recognised that they they love doing this and they want to give it a crack. You've shelled out some cash at it, um, Shane. Just super quickly, what's your sim setup, mate? Appalling, absolutely appalling. And um, it's funny now you've turned the tables and in interviewing us, but um, so but you were you were there in that race, and look, I'm I'm running a, a Logitech setup. You know, it's a $600, $700 setup that I'm doing. Um, you know, I've got a TV screen in my little area and that's it. Um, mm. I do have plans to go bigger, but it's it's a hobby and fun for me. Um, and that's right. And it, it represents an incredible spectrum of accessibility. Yeah. So mm. you can go out and you can buy a secondhand SIM setup from Gumtree. Um, yep after christmas time and uh, and whatnot is usually a great time to go and pick yourself up a secondhand bargain unwanted gifts etc all that kind of stuff it's all the rage so make sure you go and check gumtree out in a few months time if this is all still going on but yeah look you can't get yeah so so my day job is it because media doesn't pay the bills as as you said earlier and um you know like i've been trying to just get my hands on a couple of monitors and and there's nothing in Australia, you know. Webcams are sold Gone. out. Monitors are sold out. Mm. Oh, um, graphics cards. Everything's sold out at the moment. <laughs> I um, can't get that my PC built at the moment because there's no parts. Yeah, you know, like I snapped my chair. So I snapped my chair yesterday, and I'm so glad that wasn't today. And um, you know, there was only one chair left in WA at all wow. the suppliers, and that's this one right here. <laughs> so I jumped on the web at like two o'clock this morning and ordered it and uh, went and picked it up today. So, um, you know, and that, I mean, there's some smaller ones that, you know, I could have just gone to office works and got, but um, you know, being a quite a large gentleman and I use that term loosely, um, 
you know, it's it's a it's a nice comfy chair and I don't feel like I'm going to fall out of it. Um, I didn't feel like that with the last one, um, but it was five years um, and, you know, these things just happen, especially, you know. I think it was, you could look at it as a case of a little bit of serendipity that um, it was time to move on. Yes, Shane. It was time to move on. <laughs> but now, getting uh, back to getting back to the E series and, and sort of hosting that. Um, when you when um, are we dropping names? Are we saying who's who's the brains behind it all? Well, you guys are pretty much the ones that are taking it to that next level. Yeah. Well, got, well, well Steve, and Steve, Steve Ellis, yeah, got in touch with me, and he said, "Look, I want you to jump on board and and do." Uh, commentate for this e-series and, and sort of work with him for that i said yep absolutely as long as i'm not the only one as long as i can bring someone that i trust and i want to work with and, and i roped in chris mitchell now i've had chris mitchell working with me for over a season at the perth motorplex but we've also gone away and we've called drifting together we've called motocross um so and he comes from a background um of he grew up with karting he was a formula ford um driver uh, for a while had a list of sponsors as long as his arm because it was the way that he was able to afford to go racing so he really understands what goes into racing at a grassroots level he's a very talented guy who eventually when he got out of the driver's seat realized that he had a knack for working behind the microphone and um, bringing the most out of the drivers and, and putting them on a pedestal per se and he does a fantastic job cut his teeth commentating would you believe it rc racing now Ooh. I don't know if you guys are actually aware, but it is a bona fide industry with a full competition circuit that oh, travels around the world with factory backed RC drivers who earn six figure salaries to race toy cars. Yeah, it's nuts. Just, I went just to let the last that sink one. in for a moment. Yeah, I went and saw them race. Uh, I took Matt with me out at um, Whiteman Park where they had the huge big tent set up and uh, saw Chris out there and Vaughn. Um, and some guys from Finland or Sweden yeah. or somewhere like that um, come all the way to Australia to, um, to, to race toy cars. And then and the bizarre, it's a bizarre it's, hobby. It's, it's so quick. Flights, accommodation, hire cars, meals, drinks, the whole lot. And you collect yourself a, a paycheck at the end of it. It's absolutely insane. So he's got, uh, essentially, he's got a real head start on a lot of the other guys and girls that are in the industry at, um, my sort of level because he's done international grade live stream broadcast so he's got an, an insight into the behind the scenes production aspects of what goes into this kind of stuff so really really happy to be bringing him into um, what we're about to start doing with the e-series and um, awesome. really keen to sort of see what he can bring we did a little bit of a test uh, test run um, during the I think it was on Sunday <laughs> and at the end of it all, we sort of, yeah, we sat back, we cracked a beer and we were like, that was actually pretty good. Obviously, there was stuff that we wanted to improve on and we want to do for next time. And I, I think we're going to be on. Why can't you do it now, J-Mac? Like right now, I'll just drop everything and just do it right now. Like, oh, oh, it takes a lot. And it's- I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think that we have our end pretty well stitched up. Yeah, I think that, yeah. And people, um, uh, I've got my own thoughts and, and you guys are in the same group chat and, I, and I've relayed some of my ideas from some of the sim driving I've already been doing and done to get like, there's such a varied group that have entered now for this WA series. Um, and there's guys that are on 
you know, there's a couple of guys that are on rigs worth five times what mine's worth. And then there's the bulk of them are on a logistic rig and some of the stuff that they want to do, tracks they want to drive, cars they want to use. It's, it's a bit too, you got to make it easier. So the driving's good and then you got to have a little bit of relevance, but if you go straight Hollywood, um, you'll lose it. It won't be too, too good to watch mm. as well. You want We've to see some a- good driving in there. Yeah, we've got a meeting coming up this week where we're hoping to iron things out and we're looking to go with our first event in the very near future. Um, we're going to have to be pretty conservative with, we're not going to, we're not going to build Rome in a day. The first round, the first event is going to be shit. It's going to go (laughs) tits up, turn one straight away. It's going to be absolute dog's breakfast, but we've got, I think, the, the worst thing that we can do at a point like this is to overstretch ourselves by yes. doing a really long calendar because you have Absolutely. issues with getting people to commit um, and sticking with it. And, and I think the longevity of something like this is something that we need to draw. Maybe the, uh, what's the word? Just getting people to come back round after round. And as much as people might not actually like to hear it, I think a buy-in, a dollar value buy-in and a payout at the end of each round, the way to go. And it doesn't have to be much. Like Stephen Ellis is hosting all these sessions on iRacing. It's costing you money. It actually, I didn't realize it, but it costs you money to host a session of racing on iRacing. It might not Absolutely. be much, but when you're doing sort of five, six races a night and you're doing that four nights of the week. Yeah. yeah so I think, no, I think a buy-in's right. And yeah. it goes towards the hosting and a bit of prize money. And that's talking to some of the other national rounds. Yeah, around, and, that's um, what they're all aiming for. And and some of this oh, stuff can keep right us there, lubricated. Man. Come on. Oh God. I was I was gonna ask. Shout you. outs shout outs to Ian Porter, mate. Um next time I'm over high tech, I'll bring you a block. <laughs> oh man. Jay, Just mate, make sure I, you get Wazza to bring some Waikato for you. I had I had this like respect level for you, which was like right up here. And what did you think I've been doing this whole I, time? I, I knew it was beer. I was gonna ask that was my next question was like, you know, what what are you actually drinking in there? But uh, to see the red can pull out, um, my unpopular opinion is that it's a rubbish beer. And I know why people drink it is because it's cheap and... It's not cheap, though. It's not and cheap. It's, it's got to be it's dead like 50, cold. It's $53 for 20 Like, what the hell? <laughs> for 30 cans. Yeah, yeah but it's not much cheaper than a lot of the other stuff. He could be drinking worse. He could, yeah. Yeah. Could be drinking VB or Emu. Could be VB. It could be on the green ones. Is it the bitter? Yeah. That's gross. But no, um, as far as the E-Series thing, I think it's a, it's a great, it's, a, it's an addition to what I, I do. And it's not too far a step out of left field. No. There's still cars, they're still on a track. And when you look at iRacing, and once you sort of forget about the, the two-dimensional crowd standing on the sidelines and the, the trees and some of the dodgy sort of sky textures and whatnot, and you actually focus on how the cars behave mm. when they hit a ripple strip or they hit yep. a washout or a bump or something. Like the, the V8 Supercars BPE series, you look at that and you look at those cars, you oh, could man. swear that they were actual cars. You get that And involved, that they'd just like, been filmed with a shitty camera. <laughs> yeah, you, get, you do get involved. Well, that last, that last, um, last race, the one that me and you caught, Shane, yeah. of the V8, like I got excited. And then the... The local stuff. So you've got uh, Captain Carlos, uh, you've got uh, Brendan Sharp, you've got Trent, whose son's going to kill it in, in XL. He's, he's my pick for next season. 
Um, you got uh, Byron Hoy, they're all on Hollywood sit-ups. Um, and they're all good drivers in their own rights. Like, we will see some cool racing. Like, Carlos is, he's a weapon behind the wheel. Captain Carlos is... Brandon Sharp is one that I'm definitely keen to, to look out for. What He's been racing in sedans. Uh, Saloons, Him and Travis. Yeah. And um, I, I caught Brandon uh, a couple of races a few nights ago, and he... He's going to be definitely one to look out for if he Absolutely. gets a good, if he gets a good qualifying, good start. He's going to be very tough to catch. I've also managed to rope Jamie Worrell into the yep. series. I added him in, and um, we're just fixing his computer, so we should be well, good should be, to be good start that, feeding him in. Hey, he's a he Mac, should be he Mac should be good person. at that. Being a being an IT nerd, he's a Mac person. They don't count. Oh. <laughs> he's just got a, he's just got a cheap. Deep Asian screen replacements, is that what he does? Uh, he's, I think he's just running on a th- old, an old Thrustmaster setup, but he's, he's done something very cool. Because he's never actually driven any cars with bottom mount pedal boxes, he's inverted the Thrustmaster pedal set, I think, and um, he's actually, yeah, he's got himself an inverted pe- uh, top-hung pedal box. It's... Yeah, some some things that these guys do to make themselves more comfortable, give themselves that little bit of an edge, make it that little bit more immersive is very cool. And I can't mm. wait to see how it goes. I'm hoping for something like maybe a six to maybe stretch it to a 10-round calendar. I think six is going to be a good start for what we're trying to do because at the end of the day, where I come into it, I want to turn this into a little bit of a show. Now, not necessarily a show that gets produced after the fact and has a big flashy intro and whatnot and hosted and all that, but something that people can tune into a live stream that they're actually going to be interested in watching. And for me, being brought up on stuff like the Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Cars was a short three-hour show, right? The whole idea of a short, sharp show really gets me going and i think that's going to be the way to go it keeps people interested they don't want to be tuning in every single week for four hours at a time Uh, and and it's got to be good ratio absolutely and um yeah we've got a good crew of guys we've got some very like it's it's like anything it it has the potential to turn into a bit of a procession the longer you go so that's where we think about shortening the races so it's nice and tight making sure that they're a challenging car to drive that and keep it a level playing field. Yep. But I'm yeah, dead keen to see how it all goes. And I think we've yeah, got sure. the chops to make it look all right. Yeah. I think, well, we've got definitely got the pro team on it with you guys. Um, we'll be yeah. coming to you live from JMAT Media HQ. I'll be, uh, I'll be on the radio yelling at all the guys at some stage to keep their language down on the radio and a few other things. So I'll be uh, taking a, definitely a behind the, behind the curtain role on this one. But um, fact, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Set up with my laptop and just yeah, watching a few things and yeah, it should be good. So no, as soon as, um, as, soon as my and, and I'm looking, up, I'm into it. Yeah, and look, I'm looking really forward to looking, working with you, J Mac, on this because it's um, you know, and and you know, Steve to just you know, all of a sudden you're out of the blue, you know, and and I'm honest, you know, I'm I'm that guy that you know, I get a phone call on the Saturday, and it's from a number I don't know, I don't answer it. And then, you know, I was getting messages off him, you know, on Facebook. And I was like, yeah, what's your mobile number? And he told me, I'm like, okay, all right. So then I rang him up and I was like, look, you know, what's going on? And then he goes, oh, you know, like from blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I want to do this. And I was like, that's funny. You're like the first person that's actually mm. gone, hey, I want to do this. I want to organize this. Can you help me? You know, from a, 
media point of view, help get the word out, um, you know, just, just help me on that side of things. Um, and I'm like, yep, cool. And it's just been getting bigger and bigger each week. Well, actually each day, that, that group, that chat group um, is getting bigger and bigger. Um, well, we've got some pro names in there now. Let's see. Yeah, there's, yeah we've got the Stickies. We've got, yeah, got the major and local religion with a lot of national stuff. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll get yeah. some. There's a few mores in there. And look, you know, obviously, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to invite some of our upcoming guests into the series as well. So it depends on what they're running as well. But uh, yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens. Some guest races would be good. But um, look, we're getting to the point where J-Mac's got to go and have a social life, which... Oh, I reckon the hell is a social life? Social life. Yeah. Like, Buy a race car and have children. You won't have a social media, life. Media, 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 or race car, you know? Like, that's it. What are you supposed to hey, do? Come on, come on. I've got motorbike. Did you, I know you were throwing the number around earlier, Brent, that it was like for nine grand, you can go racing. Mm. Guess how much it's cost me from from buying the bike right through to my very first event entry to go drag racing. Oh, I'm not, I wouldn't have the faintest about bikes, but I wanted to ask you about bikes in a minute though. Yeah. Humor me. I'm going to be on track for less than five. Yeah, good. <laughs> that's good but drag racing drag racing I want to take the VE down the track just to see what it's like because it fits in the Wednesday night stuff's good it's still got all the um, interior panels on it so it won't get kicked out of scrutineering um, it, it won't be fast but it won't it'll still be fun and that's it I, I went drag racing in Darwin and we did a promotional for one of the invitational drift rounds and then I haven't been since man I was a teenager in New Zealand when we used to do uh, the nationals there um but are you still? Have you still got the posty motard? Yeah. Is that still? Because that is something that like, I think is just batshit crazy. Like it's funny as like motard racing is cool. I really like motards because um, I, I really think rallycross. If we could get it to that next level, it is like it is overseas. That would hmm. be a, a rally doesn't do it for me because I don't have big enough nuts. But um, motor uh, rallycross does it for me, which is sort of like motard sort of. It's the four-wheel equivalent of, of yeah, yeah. motard. Yeah, yeah. As close as you'll get to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the, the posty motard, I was just thinking it's rad. First like, of it all, looks Shane, fun. Shane, just... There you go. <laughs> um, no, I do actually still have the, uh, the posty. Yeah. It is an absolute weapon. It's a heap of fun. Um, it has no business being as loud or as, as awesome as it actually is. It's full custom. Um, the plan is to, when time permits, haha, to go and race that a few times, um, have some fun with that. Not make it a, a focus, but um, yeah, sort yeah. of go from there and have a ball. But again, we talk about budget. If you factor in, you could buy a secondhand race suit, race gear, all that, you won't spend more than $1,000 on your race gear, helmet, boots, suit, um, gloves, if you buy secondhand. Um, Posty bike, you can pick one up from Pickles Auctions for eleven hundred dollars. Um, it'll have thirty thousand Ks on it, which is just run in for a Honda, mate. Like Honda reliability every time. And then it's it's maybe a hundred dollars in parts to make it race ready. So we've got to put sliders on them, uh, catch can, um, and get rid of the um, lights and and whatnot. Take them off so that when you bin your shit, you don't destroy the cart track. Um, and it's not a case of if it's a case of when, because you will find yourself out there having that much of a hoot. You'll forget that you're on tires that are that wide 
and suspension made of soggy cardboard and you'll go to throw it too hard into a corner you'll get a a bit of a harmonic wobble up and bin absolutely destroy yourself but the beauty beautiful part is there's that many of them out there parts are cheap parts are cheap it's it's such a cool way to get into it and it is the cheapest way to competitively get onto a racetrack bar none there is nothing cheaper in terms of bar to bar door to door racing than posty bike racing and to be honest the things are so underpowered they're so um undercapable like the the suspension's terrible the tires are shit um that guys are putting moves together four or five corners back so the action is there Everyone yeah. is like, we talk about parity between the ZBs and the Mustangs. Parity is just ingrained into posty bike racing. No one has an edge because you drop a tooth on your rear sprocket to try and get some more top speed. <clears throat> what are you going to get? You're going to get nothing. You throw springs at it. Who cares? It's great fun. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. I truly recommend that if anyone out there is wondering what to do with a Sunday and they hear that Supermoto WA is racing uh, up at Wanneroo or out at Coburn, Go and check it out. If not for the Mozart racing, which is awesome in itself, the posty bikes. Absolutely yeah. killer. No, it's, it's how good. Well, um, about to wrap it up, uh, Mr. Lux Performance, have you got anything for... Uh, oh, man, you know, I've always, got, I've always got a sheet here on the other screen as long as my arm. But I did have a couple of questions that I really wanted to ask J-Mac. We already covered um, the mentoring. Because um, you always seem to be like the go-to guy to go and ask questions. How do I make myself better at this, that, and the work you've done with Chris? Um, it's, so we've covered that. That's cool. Um, you did some free, I, I don't know what you call it, is it freelance stuff? I don't know, but you were helping some of the drift guys out with like Jamie and James and Dick Lizard. Um, that sort of stuff. Are you still doing that sort of stuff or is it a service you're, you're providing or you want to push or what's, what's the go there? Well, since I stepped back from commentary with uh, Drift West, it freed up an opportunity to go uh, and do that kind of stuff. And Lizard and Worrell and James, that I'll be brutally honest, they are really good mates of mine. Um, they're dudes. all going to be here tonight. They're actually, half of them are probably already out in the backyard. But yeah. they, they're great mates. So that was a case where I wanted to jump on board and help out with them. And, and that sort of snowballed uh, out, of, out of proportion into a, a sponsorship package for Battlefest the last one that we saw and, and was super happy with how all the guys went. Um, I've still got all that footage. It's all still locked up, but we did do some pretty cool stuff at some of the rounds prior. Mm. Um, I'll be really honest. The, the biggest problem I have with doing that kind of thing is I, I bite off more than I can chew. I'll go in with the best of intentions. I'll film a heap of stuff and think that it's really cool. Get back. And I've just got no time to process it all and put it into something and, and whatnot. So um, to be honest, it's something that I would like to run, you know, and like second chair with yeah. someone else, like be a, be a camera operator for someone else and work out, like suss out the workflow and how to make that work so that then I can put a better plan into action to actually be able to produce something that's worthwhile. Yeah. Cause yeah. I yeah. keep falling down right at the end there. So at the moment it's not really on the cards. If someone really, really, really wants me to, do it and then it's within my capabilities and and i catch me at the right time and after enough red cans i'll usually say yes to anything because that's the that's the one thing i think a lot like local motorsport turns me on like um speedway 
um, sports Every events, street cars. Every like, episode, I got to listen to this. <laughs> well, no, like in, I like I like. I like the crazy overpowered big bangers. Uh, I always have done. Um, and I don't think our local stuff gets out enough. That's sort of why I mean, we, we started this. Um, Cause it just, I just think there is that good a racing locally. There is villains and there is pros and there's, yeah. there is some good racing. Um, and everyone always asks, how do I get more out? And just smash social media. That's all we've got. And then to go to the next step, there's no in between without spending a lot of money on pro media it's and, and it's worth what it's worth it is because there's hundreds and hundreds of hours that goes into editing and, and all that sort of stuff that it's expensive shit but i'm trying to figure out how how do you find a happy medium so the guys that are um trying to get up and trying to build a name for themselves that are really good drivers pr- don't have the ability to put together a little promo video or keep a video or even write a letter to the commentator so they know what mm. they're on about how do we get someone to vlog for them or, or find that gap and, and how do you make it who's going to make that package together so they can do it and make it affordable? Cause at the moment, only categories can afford it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, but <laughs> most, dri- most drivers or, or dads or mums or girlfriends um, or boyfriends and whatever, they can't, uh, you're that vested in just getting the car to the track and getting it going. You, and you might not have the skill set to be able to put the, the glossies together. There's only a couple of guys out there that are able to do it. And there's a lot Brent, more I doing it. I don't know how to learn, Woo! learn. <laughs> oh, I'm doing as, I'm doing as best as I can, but there's so many people that somehow I've got to find a service that you can get it done. You know, um, you just, I think if you're, if it is that higher priority that you want to get yourself out there and put yourself in front of the right people, it is imperative that you go out and you learn the craft. Now it's, that doesn't mean to say that you don't lean on the assets and the, the resources are available to you. People like Shane Laurie, who writes for Drive Tribe, commentators like myself, you want to get your sponsorships more exposure. You know how much a commentator froths on someone coming up to them and going, yeah. hey, I've got a new deal or I wanted to say a shout out to such and such. You come to someone like myself, Chris, Monica, um, Vaughn, any of the WASC commentators, any of the drag racing commentators, and you let us know, you can guarantee, because we are, we are so starved for information nine times yeah. out of 10. Yeah. We don't get that information from you. We, I make a point of trying to talk to everyone prior to the event, if not over Facebook, during practice sessions to actually go and talk to them and find out a little more and try and do my own. But it's, it seems that a lot of people aren't very proactive in trying to get that, that whole presence off the ground. You've got some people like Chris Good these days. Have you mm-hmm. seen the 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 sort of development curve that Chris Good has been yeah. showing with his vlogs and whatnot. Jared Brindle is another one um, with that absolutely crazy turbo skyline, um, turbo LS skyline. Like that, he's, he's doing some really cool stuff. And sometimes it's not about being the uber professional um, broadcast spec personality that some people might think. Sometimes it's just about being yourself. And I think there's a lot to be said for being yourself. Um, because with how connected people are these days, it, it is actually really easy to work out when someone's being fake. Yeah. yeah. 
But you think there's, nothing, there's nothing that YouTube can't teach you when it comes to video editing, what setups. And I think there's some pretty basic advice when it comes to Cause one of the most common questions I get asked is what camera do you use? What gear do you have? What microphones do you have? I've got the best stuff that I can buy at the time. Yep. And you, and you gave me some your, advice as well, you know, around microphones. Um, when I was doing a series of interviews for the car club, um, and you know, you're like, these are the lapel mics that I use. These, you know, this is the, what I use. And I was like, fantastic. You know, and literally within a week went out and bought them, you know, cause, and, and they're great. You know, they're the ones I could afford and they happen to be the ones you were using and recommended. And, you know, and since then, you know, um, doing work with, um, DJ lobster, um, you know, he's, he <laughs> said to me, Hey, yeah, what, what are you using for your mics? And I was like, well, you know, J Mac recommended these ones to me. You know, have a listen to them. Like, you know, I'm, I'm an absolute sound geek. Um, you know, and you know, I've been trying to get this room in my house perfect um, or close to it. Um, you know, and I said to him, you know, try these ones. And, you know, I loaned them to him in front of it to, uh, to do some stuff with uh, the Keno uh, Drift School um, video. And, you know, he came back from that and was like, I'm going to go buy them. You know, like, these are fantastic. Are they the, are they the ceremonic ones? Yeah, yeah. They're great. Yeah. They come in at what, like about six hundred bucks? Yeah, for the set of two with the receiver. You know, like, if you've if you've got that kind of money to do it, and you need that kind of level, or you feel like you need, this is the thing: is that again, it seems to be a common theme. All the gear and no idea. Yeah, you need to make sure you're getting the most out of the gear that you've got to start off with before yeah. you go and invest. And when you do go and step up to that level, like shit, I've got crates of stuff here and i i don't want to put a dollar value on it because it would scare me and it would really make me wonder how many more cartons of this stuff i could have bought but man like do the best you can to get the most out of what you've got yeah so do you think uh do you think some people were just scared or the worried because social media is so instant and there's so many like and w there's so many trolls um do you think people just they think they need to have a professional service and they should just be smashing shit out in volume there's something to be said about both um there's something to be said for um there's something to be said for just giving it a crack and doing what you can um and there seems to be a more is better type attitude these days that if you're not doing a video each week but look at the end of the day um some people can't do that shit Mm, we yeah. all we all have day jobs. Yeah. Mm, yeah. The fact that you guys are finding time, what is this, a weekly podcast? Yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to keep it going. Yeah. Keep it trying weekly. to keep it weekly because yeah. it then satisfies the demand. And it might be a little bit of an unfair demand. Um when I was running a podcast with DJ Laubscher, which has gone into hibernation, I don't think it'll be awoken. Um and it it was a lot. It was so much. And you guys have found yourselves a pretty decent formula where the pressure of being in the same room together doesn't exist for you guys. You're doing it online. You're doing it remotely, which is a, a bit of a, a consequence of the times. But if it works and it makes it easier to do and put together and, and mm. sort of get it out there, stick with it, man. Um, oh, and, I, where you, I mean, look, I've got no issue saying it. Like we're, we're doing this on Zoom. You yeah. Know, and... Zoom, you know, for you know, the, the sooks out there about it, whatever, I don't really care. It works really well. The audio is fantastic. 
um, you know, I'm able to get guys on from over east, overseas, wherever to join in this. Um, and there's no lag. There's no crackly audio of, you know, like mm. phone call interviews. Um, you can see it's the actual person, you know, that we've got on there. Um, and, you know, like over the next couple of, you know, next couple of months, you know, I've lined up some pretty damn big, you know, motorsport people to come onto the show and to, to do it in the old format, you know, even with, even if it was just two of us sitting in a studio talking with them, um, you know, have, being able to have them in the conversation, you know, like you are, you know, in a video is so much better than just having an audio version of them in there. Absolutely. And so, so this has sort of made me rethink how we were going to do this because, you know, I was like, yeah, we'll get everyone around a table and I've got this, you know, fantastic audio desk. I'll ring them up on Bluetooth and chat with them. Yeah, and the audio was, it was good enough. But when we started testing it with some overseas people and that, it was just like, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily going to be the best. Hmm. But this here, um, you know, like some of the guys, you know, we had John from Drive Try, the Australian um, content manager I always forget his title and I'm blaming that because he never buys me coffee. Um, you know, so we had him on the first one, you know, his internet connection was rubbish and, you know, learns a big lesson, which was, you know, find out if the guys have good internet, if not, we'll do an audio call with them, you know, through yeah. zoom still, but yeah. we won't have that delay of video for them. So they won't be having to hammer their internet connection. So that was a big learning thing. The first episode, but since then, you know, everyone's, you know, they had their own little microphone setups and, if it's just even been a phone, it's still been good. You know, they haven't had yeah. to have microphones and whatever. So mm. it, it makes this so much easier to talk to people. Mm. Um, oh, I think it's and I think it's fantastic. And it's it's the future, man. And and like I said, I keep there's so much locally in WA that we've got to offer. Um, there's so many cool stories and sacrifices in every category and drag racing. Um, there's a couple of drag racers I know that just man, the amount of work they do just to be competitive at a local level. People yeah. like normal car people don't even get that, that step up to go on to race. And then that step up to be competitive, man, it's, it's bananas. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously we're taking a lot of time. J-Mac, I had one other question that, um, <laughs> cause I, I have a list, but this is one that's important to me as a mate. Um, but to everyone, like uh, you've obviously had done a monumental amount in your career. You've had some, massive challenges um that that most people that know you will understand but how how do you stay being one of like the most positive dudes out like you are always super chuffed whenever i catch you and and don't just say it's the red cans because it's just a wa thing like you are always super chuffed whenever i whenever i see you whenever i catch you you always have a smile and and, and a firm handshake and a crisp high five You're, you're always just happy man how do you stay rad um I have managed or I've, I've had it shown to me that what we've got this, this whole motorsport family thing is it's, it's actually real and sure you've got some shitheads and some trolls and stuff out there in the mix, but they add that little bit of flavor to it as well. But the vast majority of people out there at a track on a weekend would no, no matter what discipline you go to, they're just there to have a good time. They're there because they enjoy it. Um, and nine times out of 10, they're usually happy to see you. So there's, yeah. And that makes me happy to sort of, I'm happy to give it back. I've got a great group of people around me who push me to sort of go further. That's family, my girlfriend, Zoe. Um, it's just incredible. And, and I've had all the help and more that I could have asked for 
um, to get to where I am. So to sort of get around in those sorts of circles and look like you're enjoying yourself, here's a tip. It's, it's not an act. I actually am. And this whole isolation, this lockdown type deal where we haven't been able to go um, and do the things that we love has really sort of impacted on me because this, like my calendar, every single weekend was chock-a-block. Um, and I, I that thing. was, yeah, that was my social outlet. That was me, uh, me catching up with the people. Yeah, I was working, but when you're doing something you love, it's not really work, blah, blah, blah. You'll never work a day in your life, but it's true. You're going around, you're seeing the people who are passionate about this kind of stuff. It's very easy to be upbeat and keen when you're around the people who are feeling the same. No, that's cool, man. Well, just, yeah, keep it up because it, it just, yeah. We need more positive people like you. There's so, oh, much, there's yeah. so much emotion in motorsport. It doesn't take much to turn months, years, lifetimes worth of work upside down because of the way it's such a brutal mistress motorsport. Yeah, it's just wicked having such nice dudes around. Um, that's we need we need more nice guys who who aren't like it'd be great if they got a wad of cash they can throw at the sport. Please, please, please sponsor everything. Like if if someone comes to you with a sponsorship proposal, give them the time of day. Make sure yeah. that they deserve it, and make sure that they're going to give you something as well. But um, yeah, and I think that's another thing. That a lot of our WA guys they they've got this apathetic sort of attitude like oh it's so hard to find a sponsor it's like you haven't even tried mate mm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's if, if i can finish oh, on man. one thing is just try and do good and, and like yeah, for a racer who's looking for a sponsor actually put some effort in don't be so quick to say oh it's so hard can't find sponsors blah 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 um sponsors are integral to racing and a good sponsor might just be the difference between you being an also ran and possibly you'll be up in the front 50% of the field. Possibly you'll be even higher. Mm. Um, but at the same time, don't pull the piss, make sure you give something back. And if that's something like an open day um, or corporate day type stuff, put your hand up, give back. And Come that, on shows like this, because this is a, this is a double edged sword in the sense that it not only gives something to you guys, but it, you can also get something out of it as well as a, as a racer coming on to, or a, a sponsor coming on to sort of talk about this, this kind of stuff is important. It's integral. Mm. And that's the, that's the chat we had with um, Adam Marjoram last week was, you know, the, just sponsorship, 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 and you know, the, the commitment back as well, you know, open days and all that sort of stuff. But um, mm. look, yeah. we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, and uh, thanks very much for joining us on the show this week. Um, so any, anyone you want to give a quick yell out to before we finish up? Oh, I have to, have to give a shout out to the drift boys that are out the back. I've kept them waiting for a bit. So, um, uh, tell James, me, blame me. <laughs> tell me blame um, ben. Yeah. Jamie Worrell, James Cloyne, Richard Lazar, um, Shaggy, Shaggy, like the guy oh. is an absolute, like, he's awesome. Love him to death. My beautiful girlfriend, Zoe, would you actually believe she spent the last couple of hours in the emergency department? Um, an unfortunate incident with a feline, Ooh, yeah. maybe, maybe punctured a vein or an artery and wouldn't stop bleeding. So, um, yeah. I asked her if she wanted me to cancel this. She said, no, 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 just keep going. So, She's tough. Jamie's got a ring spear because he hasn't proposed yet. So you take that. You go propose. 
<laughs> Job done. <laughs> nice. Love you. Love your work, guys. Thanks for having me. Look, next week's uh, guest, because um, we're going to wrap everything up, next week's guest is the first South Australian driver to win the Bathurst 1000 when he partnered West Australian Garth Tander in the Holden Racing Team in 2011. He currently races for Brad Jones Racing, and in between the commitments to supercars, he's actually been mentoring up-and-coming racers. Um, he was here for the Rise Racing uh, driver search last year. Um, I managed to have a lovely uh, little private session taking some photos and doing some work with him last year. Um, and he's continuing on with that in iRacing. I managed to join a session of his yesterday while he was mentoring a 12-year-old in Queensland from his house in Victoria. And uh, that gentleman is none other than Nick Perkat. So he'll be here next week uh, and looking forward to that chat. It's, um, yeah, first of our... Uh, bigger guests i guess we could say but of course uh, the smile on j mac's face um and you know the other lovely people we've had you know definitely not discounting the west australian contingent because that's what this show is really all about um and guest. you know if we can get people like nick Perkhead in, in, interested in our uh, motorsport you know he was talking about coming back this year as well for some more laps um you know that's fantastic so yeah that's our guest next week um We'll finish up and thanks everyone and we'll catch you next week. Cheers. Thanks guys.